We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So part two of the show was inspired by a video that I sent to you, Mm -hmm. a podcast, All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. They had special guest Kenny Smith on and they asked him about Dean Smith and what made Dean Smith so incredible. And he said, one story stands out for me. He said, we had a guy named Maktar Njai. For those of you that don't remember, he originally went to Michigan and transferred to North Carolina. And he's from Nigeria, a small uh, village in Nigeria. And Bill Guthridge was giving it to him in practice. And after it was a tough practice for him, so he leaves practice. And Dean Smith catches up with him in the hallways and asks Mokhtar, what's wrong, man? And what's going on? Like, And he kept asking him to look at him. Like, I'm talking to you. Look at me in my eyes. And Mokhtar finally said, sir, in, in my culture, it's disrespectful to look at the elders in their eyes. And Dean Smith said, okay, and walked off. Everyone thought Bill Guthridge was suspended for what he said during practice because he wasn't there for the next week. And all of a sudden, Magtar Njai gets a phone call, and it's his mom on the other end of the line. And his mom says, yo, I'm here, and it's I know Coach Smith, but I don't know Coach Guthridge. He says he's your coach. Do you know him? He's like, yeah. Oh, he's been here all week, and he's been finding out all about our culture mm-hmm. so he can make you feel comfortable. Dean Smith went to that extent right, to make that kid who was not a starter, he might have been the seventh or eighth kid in the rotation, he wanted to make him feel so comfortable that he sent his assistant coach to his village for a week to find out all of his customs so that they can make him feel comfortable so he can play at the top of his game. I'm going to play that clip, Sean. Okay, go. Because yeah. I think it's going to add to the the what where you're going with About this. About his yeah. inner person, who he was. My favorite story is is not even with me. It's uh it's with Maktar Njai played at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He was from Africa. Mm-hmm. Played at Michigan, transferred mm-hmm. in. Went to Oak Hill. And went to Oak Hill, yeah. Mm-hmm. He went to Oak Hill. 
So Mac Mac was um, you know, having a tough time in practice. So Roy Williams was assistant coach at the time, and Bill Guthridge. And so they're getting on Mac, like, Mac, what's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Coach Smith never cussed. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Never cussed. So they're getting on him, and so they throw him out of practice. Coach Smith, after practice, goes to him, says, Mac, is everything all right? Like, homesick? Like, and he's like, no, coach. And he's not, he's not looking at him. He's like, he's like, Mac, look at me when I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, coach, I'm just not feeling. Mac, look at me as I talk to you. He said, coach, in my culture, to look uh, an adult in the eye is mm, it's a sign of, of disrespect. So Coach Smith says, oh, okay, walks out. Next day in practice, there's no Coach Guthridge who threw him out of practice. Coach Guthridge is not there for a week. Mm. So Mac said he gets a call from his mom. She's like, Mac, there's this man here in Africa says he's your coach, assistant coach. I know it's Coach Smith. I don't know him well. He's been here for a week saying he's learning our culture. Mm. He sent Coach Guthridge to learn his culture Mm. so he can never make that mistake again. Mm. That is what Coach Smith is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it inspired us, Brian, to have a conversation about culture at Notre Dame and how it impacts the play of the players and how they feel off the field. And we said with the change in culture that Marcus Freeman has brung to the program, we focus so much on recruiting, but who on the current roster is going to improve right. from the change in culture? Who And why? And why? Right. And, and we, it, it sparked us to have this conversation. It would be interesting to see, you know, in the chat, what IB Nation thinks about that as well. Who will improve on the field in the new under new culture? And, and the reason it's important is because the reality is, 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 you know, I think coach Kenny Smith went on to say, did he, he going to say, or is this was you and I talk, but like when it, when, when you do something like that for a kid, it's like, there's nothing you can't ask of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that we've talked a lot about, and I know you've had former play, you've had conversations with former players. I've had conversations with former players and the conversation was always, we did it for ourselves. 
we were the brotherhood. You know, you, Notre Dame players for deck for the last decade have talked so much about, the, especially the last five years, the brotherhood, the brotherhood, mm-hmm. the brotherhood. Yeah, and that's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, when you've got the brotherhood, well, so does that. So does Clemson. But Clemson also has a roster full of guys who would run through fire for Dabo. Yeah. Right? Uh, Out of respect. You have guys at Alabama that will run through fire for Nick Saban out of a different kind of respect. Right. The fear respect. Yeah. But also the fact that that, that they think he – he what he's asking him to do – in the grumpy way he's asking them to do it, it's he they believe that it's because he it's going to make them better, yeah. So, two completely different personalities, it's the same result. That has not been the case in Notre Dame for a long time, mm-hmm. long time since I don't know what year did Lou Holt stop coaching in Notre Dame. That's how long it's been where they had that kind of coach, and yeah. that's what we keep hearing about from players and parents and, and, and people around the program is we had an update about, about Michael Mayer and how Bama and some other schools were making a run at Michael Mayer, trying to convince him through the channels that they do to, to get in a portal. And one of the sources says, you know, I think he might've considered it if Brian Kelly was still here. Mm -hmm. And he said, but the kid loves playing for coach Freeman, a tight end. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even coach on offense. Yeah. Never coached on offense. Yeah, You know, a tight end. You hear receivers talk about it. You hear offensive linemen talk about it. And, of course, the defensive players talk about it because they, they got a taste of it they last year when he was the yeah. coordinator. And, and that's the thing, Sean, is when you, have a, when you have the brotherhood that already exists, the player-driven culture that has existed for years at Notre Dame, and then you throw in a head coach – who then puts an emphasis on hiring like-minded assistant coaches. Yes. Hey, Coach Mick, look what Coach Mick did at Cincinnati. I'm going to listen to him because I think, you know, he cares about me, but he's got proven results. Yes. I know Coach Washington has my back. So when he tells me I need to do this, I'm going to trust him. And and we know the culture that Harry Heastan has created in that regard in the, in the offensive line room. Same thing with Coach McCullough. Same thing with Coach Stuckey. You hear it over and over again, like, Hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then there's that connection with them where you actually think this guy gives a rip about you. Right. And so I think those things are incredibly important. And that's the, that's the culture change. So when we talk about that, it's about, I think coach, I know coach believes in me. Mm -hmm. And I think for some players, that's going to have a big impact. And for me, Sean, to where we start this thing. Yeah. We can't start. We can't start anywhere but the quarterback room. And I think, obviously, we believe Tyler Buckner is going to be the starter, but it starts there. Yeah. It's the quarterback room. I think that's where you're going to see the the, the culture change have the biggest impact, where you're not going to see Tyler Absolutely. Buckner throw a pick and immediately the head coach is greeting him five yards in the field, screaming at him. Right? Yeah. He's going to meet him five yards in the field. Yeah. And there's gonna, you know, but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a different. Con- now, it doesn't mean that there's not accountability. It's just a different culture. When the guy getting in my face, telling me I need to do better, is someone that I know is gonna go to war with me. Yeah. And has my back. Then I'm, then I'm gonna react and respond to that in a completely different manner than if a different coach said the exact same thing in the exact same tone. So I think it starts at quarterback because that's the position that's been held back the most by the cultural problem that Notre Dame has had in the last decade. And for that position, you know, the calm and the confidence 
that Marcus Freeman gives to his players. And, you know, one of the other guys I have on the list is a perfect example of that and why I feel he's going to perform better. But with Tyler Buckner, this is one of the things I watched yesterday. I mean, this morning, if you watch the Fiesta Bowl, if you watch the Fiesta Bowl and you sub in Tyler Buckner developed after a spring into what Tommy Reese was trying to do, you see all of the openings, like the quick access passes, the RPOs, the big plays down the middle of the field of Micah Mayer and Lorenzo Styles. You see how Oklahoma State, because there was no threat of the run from Jack Cohn, could just crash off the ends and just totally mess up the run game. Teams can't do that with Tyler Buckner back there. Mm-mm. So now <laughs> the linebackers on the interior, it's more difficult for them to just be aggressive than come downhill. And you start to see the promise that can exist based upon the plays that Tommy Reese was calling for Jack Cohn. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I can see what can happen there if Tyler Buckman's the quarterback. So now we believe in the development of Tommy Reese. We have no choice, fans. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the offensive coordinator. He has been given the task of developing the quarterbacks in that room. All three guys. Get them ready to go on the field and win games. And we both believe with the top two that they can win 10 games. We're mm-hmm. both in different mm-hmm. ways, but they can win 10 games. And obviously the big games, Clemson, USC, and Ohio State to start it off will be the tale of the the uh the tale of the entire story. Mm-hmm. But I say all of that to say this. Marcus Freeman gives the confidence to his coaches. See, it, I, I don't, Brian, I'm really not trying to go in certain directions, but when we talk about change in culture. Well, it's hard because what was the culture defined by? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you as a player have to see, when you as a player see your coach, positional coach, mistreated, right? how does that make you feel? So now the flow of the message and being on one accord in the program is a totally different feeling. I'm going to take it another level, Sean. Okay. I think the coaching part is correct. And and you've heard me talk about how Jeff Quinn was treated. Yeah. Front of the players. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah. You've heard me talk about even Dell Alexander. Like that's one of the issues. That's why Dell wasn't as successful at Notre Dame as he was at other places. Uh, you and I were talking yesterday about how Brian Kelly treated Mike Mickens last year. It's yeah. absurd. Like it's yeah. like he would just pick a coach and crush him. But I think it it goes back to I remember watching a, a video. I can't remember what kind of video it was, but it was basically like how Bill Walsh would never dress down his quarterbacks in front of the team. Now you get him in a closed room and you're gonna have he's gonna have some words, but he would never dress down his quarterbacks in front of the team. This now is a totally different theory than what Bill Belichick. Correct. To do. Correct. But for Bill Walsh. But when you're when you're creating a culture, especially in college, mm-hmm. when your quarterbacks get the treatment that they've gotten the last ten years, yeah, it's gonna be like, man, like there's two ways to look at. It. One is like, well, if the quarterback get ripped, I can too, which is like an accountability thing. But that's yeah. not the way. That's not the what it turned into. It turned yeah. into like a. There just was like a always a, a heavy cloud, like a 
you're always worried. Like, is this the day that I'm going to be the guy that gets destroyed? Am I going to, is this day that I'm going to get ripped? And I think that's to me, it, it even goes beyond the position coaches. When you see the quarterback being treated the way that they have, and again, I'm all about accountability and high standards. It's mm-hmm. and you see that the impact that it has on the quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that has an impact on the entire football team, especially the offense. And what's the side of the ball that's been the biggest problem? It's been the offense because that's the side of the ball that Brian Kelly spent most of his time with. And that's where the culture to me was worse because I think they've been able to kind of, to a degree, fix it on defense to a degree. Yeah. Who are most of the guys talking about the brotherhood? Let's be honest. Who are most of those guys? Defensive players. Yeah. Because it's been allowed to grow and flourish over there. Mm-hmm. much more so than on offense. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback. So that to me is it's not even like the scheme that Tom Reese is going to call and, and freeing Tom Reese, like the chains have been broken from a play calling standpoint. It's not even about that. It's about when there's a cap, there's always has to be accountability yeah. in competition. But when there's not that constantly looking over your back, like I don't want to screw up because I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. That's where Ian Book freezes and won't throw the ball over the middle of the field. That's why Ever Golson steadily regresses during his career. Deshaun Kaiser steadily regresses during his career. Yeah. Tommy Reese, did, you know, somewhat regresses during his career. Ian Book regresses and then stagnates during his career. As guys were longer in the system, they got worse and worse because you just don't want to make that mistake. And that's the biggest thing. I think that freeing of the quarterback position period to Make a mistake because the quarterbacks know the coach Reese has their back. So when he yeah. gets on him and it's like rips him and stuff, it's like, I got you, coach. I'm going to do this. But then all of a sudden comes over. It's like, it's like if you're using a wrestling analogy, it's like some guy just comes off the top rope and you're not expecting it. It's like, it's right. going to shock you a little bit. Like, wait a minute, where'd that come from? You know right. what I mean? Right. And that's what it was. It was like, it was just walk around a corner, like, bam, there it is. You know, yep, 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 yep. And so I think to me, and, and I think the reason that's important, and I wanted to focus on that first on it, because if the quarterback room is healthy from a mental leadership production standpoint, it just makes the whole offense better. It makes the whole football program better. Because look, here's the deal. Your team, whether you like it or not, the culture, the attitude of your team is going to be defined by your head coach, your quarterback, and your defensive captain. And I, when I mean defensive captain, I mean the guy that everybody looks to when the game is on the line. Yes. Not not there's four guys that are captains. Yes. Right. But but you know what I mean. And so when you look at the offense, it was very much a don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. Everybody was that way. Hey, we've never fumbled. We don't turn the ball over. Oh yeah, you also don't make any plays. Yeah. Right. In big games yeah. because everybody's so afraid to make a mistake that yeah. you go into these games and you just you score 14 against Bama and then, you know, it's late touchdowns in both games. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you score three against Clemson because your offense is so afraid to make a mistake. And that's the culture that was created. Well, if once that's gone, you start to say, Hey, you know what? I, I may, I'm, I'm going to turn the ball over at some point in time. It's yeah. going to happen. No quarterback ever has not turned the ball over, but I'm going to take some chances too. And sometimes it's not going to work out more often than not. It will. I think that's the biggest impact on this football team. I, I do, it, it, especially because, Sean, you and I have a belief in Tyler Buckner's ability that if that freedom does come to be yourself, it's the biggest thing, be yourself, mm-hmm. then, man, that's that's where you start seeing really big-time production. So I think for mm-hmm. me, the, the quarterback position is where it to, starts. To what you said, the relationships in that quarterback room, right, is more than 
the regression at the position that we've seen over the last 10 years for multiple quarterbacks, there was almost a designed animosity planted in the quarterback room. And it wasn't planted by the players. Right. Let's right. walk so through this, Sean, because I think yeah. when, when you and I started talking names, I'm going to walk through this and because I want to I want to walk through this, to be, then allow you to make your point because I think it hits home. Yeah. It's it's happened every single time. Yes. Dane Chris, Tommy Reese. Yes. Tommy Reese, Everett Golson. Everett Golson, Malik. Malik, Deshaun. If Deshaun doesn't leave early and Malik doesn't transfer in the same offseason, it would have been the same thing with Brandon. Mm-hmm. That's the only exception because two guys just left the program. Yes. Then it was Brandon and Book. And then it was Book and Dracovic to a degree. Mm-hmm. That was the one exception because he, he he didn't necessarily have that same thing then. But he created in the reverse. It was with the backup that we saw that happen to right. with Phil. Right. And then this year with, with Jack and Tyler. And it's happened every single time where one guy gets pitted against another and it just creates this, it's almost like that person who, in a funny term, remember Talladega Nights? Yeah. How they're at the Applebee's yeah. and everything's good. And why don't you come to the, you know, the class with me? And it's like, and he's like, I don't like this. It's like, it's too nice. It's every, it's everything is good. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I, I got to blow it up. Right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people thrive on chaos. They're just happy when there's chaos around them. And sometimes I've had to ask myself, is that what's going on at quarterback? And I just so I want to point that out to lead into the point that you were going to make. Because I think yeah. when you hit it like that, you're like, wow, they've literally had that quarterback controversy every consistent. single time. It's been consistent. And you, when you mention that, that's the one thing that I'm looking for. How is Tommy Reese going to handle the quarterback room? Like everyone else is talking X's and O's. For me, I'm going into fall camp watching how Tommy Reese handles the quarterback room. Is there a new way, a new culture being established in that room? Because he's been a part of it as a player. He's been a part of it as a coach. Yeah, He knows. He knows. And he knows what needs to change in order in order for that room to be more productive. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And, and there was a, a great question that was asked because I think it's very fair. Brandon Plessner says, "Do you think Marcus Freeman consistently saying he wants a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over and takes uh, and that takes care of the ball will have the current quarterbacks afraid to take shots and take risks?" And I think Jay Henry answered it perfectly, Sean. I don't think Free wants a quarterback that consistently puts the ball in harm's way but he won't restrict Tommy's offense. And I think that response is, is, is really at the heart of the answer to that, Sean, is yeah. there is a way to teach, take care of the football. Yeah. Like this isn't a thing where like, you're okay. Just throwing out, going out to throwing 15 interceptions. It's more of a, the fear of making a mistake and what followed. Right. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about jumping on a guy. I'm talking about there, there, there's a way it's like you, you and I could both coach a position and say the exact same words. But the tone and the manner in which they are delivered and the threats that come behind them are going to determine, or lack of threats, uh, are going to determine how they're perceived. And one is a very harsh way that doesn't really become productive. The other, it can be a harsh way that is productive. And then the other is you just don't correct mistakes and you allow it to happen because you don't hurt somebody's feelings. 
And that's just as bad as the other extreme. Yeah. It set a level of accountability, but when a kid makes a mistake, what are you going to do? MF them, rip them, or are you going to teach them? And I think that's the key. Cause like, look, Harry, he is hard on guys. He does not tolerate mistakes, but he does it in a way where the kids understand where it's coming from. And then they want to go out there and get it right next time. There's not a fear. And I think that's the, that's the thing. That's a very fair question. Cause I don't think Marcus Freeman's going to be okay. If Tyler Buckner goes out there and turns the ball over three times a game. Hey, but he made some plays. That's yeah. it. there's, there's, there's a, there's a healthy line for that, right? Like if yeah. you watch the LSU offense in 2019, man, they took tons of shots. But he threw what, like six interceptions that year? Yeah. Because it's about teaching. It's about having the freedom to do certain things. Because when you're afraid, you're often late. And when you're late, that tends to lead to either mistakes or you just don't make the throw at all. Yeah. The freedom comes from like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make these plays. And I think that's the big key. But along with that, that's the A part. Mm-hmm. When he said that, the B part is he said, I want to be aggressive. Right. He said, right. I, now, I don't want a quarterback that's going to turn the ball over. And I want to be able to run the ball and stop the run. But more I, along with that, I want our team to be aggressive. I don't want to be tentative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, Nick, Col- Nick Saban coaches the same way. Nick Saban constantly is on his quarterbacks about turning the ball over. And that is what team baseball, not team baseball, team football is all about. Playing to your strengths. As a quarterback, understanding, yo, I have a great defense. It's third and seven. We're up 10. It's the fourth quarter. Like, I might want to throw this deep ball, but I don't have to. I play to my team strengths. It's like getting elite. Vince would probably love this. I know you don't really love the game. You get a leadoff double. I love baseball. I don't like watching Major League Baseball. Right. You get a leadoff double. What's your job? Move the the runner to third. Right. That's why I don't watch baseball anymore because your job is now to walk or strike out or hit a home run. Absolutely. Yeah. I love traditional baseball. Yes. And a quarterback has to be intelligent like that to understand the strength of his team, play to that, take chances when it's there, be aggressive. But then there's sometimes where you read the game and say, you know what? In this situation, this is what we need to do and be okay with throwing the ball away or walking away from a certain situation. And knowing, hey, we're going to win the game. Because at the end of the day, to get stats, you want to win the game. Do you ever wonder why Ian Book was so good in two minute? In two minute? Think yeah. about that. Yeah. How many times – the one thing I'll give Ian Book credit for is going back to the LSU game. Yeah. The one time when Ian – the one time I ever looked back and said, man, he was consistently good in those situations. Yeah. It was late games where they needed a score. You look at LSU after the 2017. You you go look at I mean they weren't really in competitive game. I mean 2018 they were they kind of either dominated everybody but but the one game where Notre Dame struggled and needed plays to be made in the second half was Pitt. Remember that game? Yeah. And then you look at 2019. You look at Virginia Tech. You know the the comeback there, and then 2020. I look at Clemson. Yeah. As an example. Whenever Ian Book got put in a two-minute situation or, hey, we got to go make a play where, dude, you got nothing to lose, he was brilliant. Why? Because then it's like, we got nothing to lose. You've got to make this play now. I can't have you be captain, you know, captain check down all game now. And he was brilliant in those moments. Throw the ball downfield. Attack. Be aggressive. I mean, the post route to Miles Boykin for the touchdown pass 
Uh, and a lot of them included what, Sean? Deep balls. The one thing he would never use in normal situations, go routes against LSU, right? right. Post route against Pitt, post route against Clemson, doing the things he wouldn't do in normal situations. Why? Because the pressure is off now. We're losing or the game's tied. We got a minute and a half. We got to go. Right. And, and, and why was he so good then, but so mediocre in all those other, other instances? It's because, again, I think because that's when the pressure was off. Because, I mean, if you make a mistake, we're down a touchdown. If you throw a pick, you throw a pick. Like, we need to, we need to go out and – can't punt this one. You can't punt this one away. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I've thought about that, and I was like, that to me is further evidence of the problem that we've discussed at the quarterback position. Is why Ian Book was so afraid to throw the ball beyond 10 yards – from the inside of the numbers inside for much of his career, especially in big games. But when it was a situation where the game was on the line, he went and did it. Yeah. I even think of like the Bama game where they were way down and yeah. he just went out. So what the heck? It's my last game. I'm going to go out and just sling it. Right. He's made some great throws, Yeah, you know, and it just, it, it, you need to have that though at the beginning. And that's the difference. That's what Ohio state has. That's what Clemson has. That's what Bama has. That's what LSU had with Joe Burrow. And that's the key, but that's a cultural thing. That's a that's a culture of your program thing, Sean. Who would you say has the best quarterback culture in college football right now? I'd probably say Ohio State. And the reason I say that is because there's been so much turnover in Alabama. Mm. You know, it, it's it's. I want to see kind of how Bill O'Brien does in year two, but I think it's Ohio State. I mean, you've seen because because it goes back to when Ryan Day was the OC as well. Yeah, you've just yeah, seen I'll, the consistency of whoever they pop in. I mean, CJ yeah. Stroud had zero career attempts going into last year, Sean. Right, right. And his progression, like yeah. if you watch that Minnesota game, you say to yourself, oh, "I don't know." And he had some big misses. I mean, he put up good numbers, but he yeah. had some big misses against Oregon as well. Some big but, mistakes against Oregon as well. But then you watch that same kid week six, and it's like, whoa. This, and you this never see Ryan Day destroying him on the sidelines or on the field. No, never. You do that on Tuesday. You do yeah. that on Wednesday. You don't do that on Saturday. No. And the only thing that I would want a great example of culture for a young man to come into um, is what we've talked about previously. I shared the story of, of Bryce Young talking about how upset he was when he found out Mac Jones was going to be the starting quarterback when he was a freshman. He thought he really was going to walk in and take that job as a true freshman. And one day he's watching film and one of the, the assistants lets him know, yo, you know why Mac is so good? Because he's watched every film in here twice. And Bryce Young said that's when he, it hit him mm-hmm. that there's a ne- another level. Like that was culture impacting him, saying, you know what? I have to get to there. Right. I have to put in the same work to be just as good. And so, right. you know, maybe that's a culture that they're, build, they're building to get to Ohio State. I think that was more about, about just Mac Jones, though. He started that, right? Yeah, I think it was more about him and then yeah. Bryce, as opposed to the culture being created. At the time. I don't think that Alabama's got a bad quarterback culture. They've no. had a ton of success. No. It's just I think Ohio State's is more head coach driven. Mm-hmm. 
than than Being talent driven. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Where Bama's offense has just always had great players. Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, I, I would I'd probably go to Ohio State. It's probably you know, not, especially since David Cutcliffe isn't is not a Duke anymore. You know what I mean? Or in yeah. college football anymore? I'd yeah. probably go. I'd probably that would be another there. great culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your number two, Sean? As you kind of look look around and you look at the different positions, I think there's two other positions that I think are important for that too. Uh, what is your number two, or position player? What you know, it could be players within the position, whatever the case. Wh- where you want to go next with this? Oh boy, I forgot. Wait a minute. Let me look at the run. I know one you said to me the other day was Clarence Lewis. Can I go somewhere else first? Of course. Because I think we agree. Do do we agree on Clarence Lewis? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. we do. I mean, so we agree him as a player. You hope he gets beat out and everything. But the point is, is he's going to bounce back yeah. from his late season struggles because of the manner in which Marcus Freeman has handled, handled the his game. bad game. Same with right. DJ Brown. Right. Same thing. Right. Yes. Is yeah. yeah, their confidence should have got destroyed by how yeah. bad they played in that game. But yeah. it hasn't been. Because the head coach had their back. Now you you know that they were they were corrected and told they didn't play well. Yeah. But there's a there's a difference in that being held accountable and, and being destroyed. I have a question mark next to a name. I'm interested okay. in seeing what you think about it. Braden Lindsay was my second guy. Yes. And it, my example for that was having the opportunity to go to one of their open practices. And sitting there, and they were working on zone combinations. It was pretty much seven on seven. They were working on zone combinations and communications on the defensive side of the ball and passing guys off within the zone. And on the offensive side, they were working on that quick screen game and, like, faking the quick screen and attacking down the field. And they threw a quick screen or a screen pass, I believe, to Jaden Thomas. And Jaden Thomas ended up picking up 10 yards in the play. Good play. And everybody's like, okay, nice play. And all of a sudden, you see someone running, like, directly at Braden Lindsey. And it's Chancey Stuckey, and he's in his ear hole. And he's like, if you make that block, that's a touchdown. And he's mm-hmm. giving it to him. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't mm-hmm. know if this wide receiver core has been coached like this. Mm-mm. So now he's like, you're the senior. You're the leader. Mm-hmm. If you play like that, they're going to play right. like that. In front of every, I need you to step up. You right. have to make that play. And the accountability you talked about that I saw in that moment I think is going to bode very well for Braden Lindsay. I think he's going to take up and he's going to take the challenge. To I think elevate. he wants to be believed in Sean. Yes. I think, and part of believing in me is not just when you're mad at me, yeah, brushing me off or benching me or putting me to the back of the line, which has been done a lot. In his right, career. but saying Braden, you're better than you're that. Better than this. I need more from you. Yeah, and if you drop a ball, make a mistake, I'm going to get on you. That's fine. But I'm going to put you right back out there. Now, if you keep Absolutely. doing it, then that's when you get benched, right? That's another thing. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a great point. And I think that that's, that's, to me, an even better example of the coach culture that you talked about with yeah. Marcus Freeman. Yeah. 
where Chancey Stuckey under Brian Kelly isn't allowed to run down the field and go after him because he's already getting his butt ripped by Brian Kelly. Yes. So I can't go coach because you're ripping me to make some point about, you know, whatever. And and that's part of it, too. Don't make me fan myself in here, Brian. Do what you got to do, buddy. (laughs) So I think that's an important thing where Marcus Freeman has brought in people that are going to create a level of accountability. This is the standard that we have set. It's the golden standard. You got to live up to it. That means working hard, doing this, executing all those things. Yeah. And if you don't live up to it, I'm going to be on you. Yeah. But I still love you. I still got your back. I'm still going to coach you up hard every single day. And that's the key. Because what do kids learn in football from a very early age? When they stop yelling at you and they stop coaching you, it means they don't care anymore. They don't care. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I remember I was telling the story one time about Derek, about uh, Terry Joseph. You know, they had an injury in camp and Derek Allen's out there playing. Derek makes a couple plays, made one mistake, but then made a couple plays. And as he's running off the bench, he, you know, because Derek, Derek's a smart kid. He starts running towards Terry Joseph and Terry Joseph looks at him and just goes, didn't speak to him. Just. And then you wonder why he transferred three days later. Yeah. And you just wouldn't coach him. He yeah. was a freaking redshirt freshman. Yeah. Just one coach him. You know, how he would then uh, go and there was a, I was told about this meeting where they were going over some stuff and he took Kyle Hamilton off to the side and was going over with him while Litchfield Ashvon and Derek Allen and all these other kids are over there like, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> you know, like DJ yeah. Brown, you know, and it's just like, okay, whatever. That's a crappy culture. I, I would have loved to see what would happen if Chris O'Leary or Mike Mickens or Al Washington or Chancey Stuckey tried to do that now. Yeah. I would love to see that conversation because you're not going to stand for that. No. And, and you know, some a lot of the Notre Dame coaches I just don't think are that way. Most of the Notre Dame coaches, like Mike Elson was not like that. You didn't have to hold Mike Elson accountable because he wasn't like that. Mike Elson always coached the entire depth chart. Right especially the last go round when he moved back to D line. So, I mean, but, but not every coach is that way or knows how to be that way. And it's your job as head coach to make sure that you understand. I don't care if you don't want to coach those other kids. That's your freaking job. I'm not paying you this amount of money to coach two guys. Yeah. I'm paying you some money to coach 10, you know? And I think that's, that's that culture thing. Yes. What stood out to me on that particular example I talked about, not allowing your guys to be satisfied. Right. Like you said, Braden, you should not be satisfied with what you've done to this point. Right. You're better. There's more in you. And I'm going mm-hmm. to help you pull it out of you. I'm going to get it out yeah. of you. Right. Because how can you expect a kid like Braden Lindsay who's got to come through injuries and all these other kind of things, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. How are you going to expect that kid to battle through all these different things and give you his best when he doesn't think you – and I'm not speaking for Braden Lindsay. I don't know if he believes this or not. I'm just going off what I saw. Yeah. You know, you just read his body language at times, and you're just like – and it wasn't just him. It was a lot of those kids. Like, they don't – they don't they don't act like kids who 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 – now, some of them did. Like, Chase Claypool was just that kind of guy. I mean, just, you know, it's just how he was. But, like, these, it's like, I think that's why Kevin Austin struggled in those big moments because he didn't have faith in himself. Mm-hmm. And if and if your coach don't have faith in you, you're not going to have faith in yourself more often yeah. than not. Yeah. And and I think that's that's part of it. You know, the, the, the kids are going to make those big catches. They're going to make that block. I remember, like, one of the best receivers I ever coached. Like, I knew the light went on for him. I mean, this kid had over 50 catches, over 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns in one year. But I knew that the light had gone on when he would make me stop in the film session and rewind, 
to go watch him block a dude off the field. Yeah. Like, okay, the light's going on. He he's got he 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 gets it. He knows yeah. what the standard is. But the, the reason he listened to it is because he knew that when I was telling him to go block, it's because I was trying to raise his level of, of excellence and that kind of thing. But yeah. he also knew that I was going to be harder on him than anybody else. Yeah. But it's because I cared. And I think that's the different that's the different thing is I don't know. Kids, when you get into a game, the brotherhood can only take you so far, man. That's what it comes down to, when, especially when you get in games against the big boys. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's why you look at a guy like Brayden Lindsay and say, you know, I do I do things like saying, healthy. this could be that year for him. Because he, the pressure of if I go drop a ball, I'm done. Um, you know, if I go do it, I'm done. I think that's gone to a degree. It yeah. doesn't mean that Tommy Reese is going to tolerate guys not making plays. Yeah. It's just, it's different. I think that, uh, I think that's a good one, Sean. I, I like that. One. I'm going to go on the other side of the ball with my next one on, honestly, and I'm going to go linebacker. Okay. And I feel like the culture at linebacker has sort of evolved over the last year too. Cause I think, and it's not just, it's not just a Brian Kelly thing, but I think the way mm-hmm. Clark Lee was as well. Yeah. This isn't a knock on Clark Lee. It's just different. Yeah. It was so finite. And so it's gotta be this exact way. And this is how, and no freelance. And this is your, you know, to where, and then if you make mistakes, you know, how some guys were held to a certain standard and other guys weren't held to the same standard. That's one of the worst things, the worst things you can have in a program. It's like, wait a minute, why are you always getting on me about that, but you're not getting on that guy about that? That's where you can really tear a locker room apart. Yeah. And and you'd hear about that stuff. So I think that now that players know, look, you can't just run, you can't be two gaps off on this play. You've got to be disciplined. But at the same time, you've got a culture and started last year, and I think Al Golden's going to take it to another level of, yes, you have your responsibility in this play, but what's the number one objective? Get to the ball. Yes. Right? Like yeah. within the framework of what we're doing, get to the ball. And I think that that the previous system held back a player like Maris Lufau. Because Maris needed the structure okay. of Clark Lee for a while. Yeah. But then I think it went too far. Too far. And I think part of the reason he was so good early in fall camp last year is because he benefited from the discipline. But I think the discipline kind of froze him at times. I think this is what hurt Shane Simon and, and and some of the other guys and why a guy like Drew, Drew Pine thrived so much because Drew thrived on just tell me where to go and I'm, I'm going to do it perf- perfectly. I think a guy like Maris Luthal needs that culture of, of hey, I believe in you and so we're going to give you freedoms Yeah, and if you make a mistake, I'm going to get on you, but, you know, but we're not going to destroy you, right? right. Right, and, and I think you need that at linebacker. I mean, you, you need a guy that's willing to say, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I remember in the scouting report, this is what I'm going to see, and I'm going to take this chance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, right. and I'm going to make that play. I mean, you'd see Jalen do that in games. Yeah. You'd see Jalen's like, I don't think that's what he was supposed to do. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, you just see how the rest of the defense went. I was like, I don't think that's what he's supposed to do. And I've heard that about him. I've heard that about Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Some They're like, like, he did not – that was not even remotely what he was supposed to do on that play. But he just would – and then Clark, I heard Coach Lee would get mad at him sometimes too for that. Like, and to a degree, you've got to got to do that. But like, that was an issue with Alohi Gilman. He would be like, he'd go make a play, and then he'd get in trouble. It's like, well, why? Why am I in trouble? Well, you're supposed. To, he goes, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I studied the film, I read the play, and I knew this is where they're going with the ball. Yeah. And but I told you to do this. 
okay, fine, bench me. You know what I mean? If you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm you feel that badly about it, right? Go ahead, yeah. bench me. Put somebody else in, right? Yeah. And you can't have that, right? No. But I also say the counter to that is, but if that's the defense you're playing in, then you need to do what the coach tells you to do. Yeah. But that's why I think the culture of what Marcus Freeman is bringing of the belief system combined with a system that says this is your responsibility, but see ball, get ball, right? And where you're going to have that freedom where, you know, you guy, why, why did you do that? Coach, this is why I did this. I did, that's actually one of the proud moments for a defensive coach where you bring him off the field and you're like, okay, you did this. You weren't supposed to do this. Yeah, it worked out, but why did you do it? <laughs> right. Cause you need to make sure it wasn't, he didn't accidentally like, you know, luck into a big play. Like, uh, right. thank God they were running right there. Cause I did it. Right. He said, well, coach, I saw this. I saw that the, 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 the X receiver had reduced the splits and I saw this and I knew when they do this, that they're running this route. And so that's why I did this. That's that, that's that proud papa moment as a coach. No. Like, okay, we prepared him. You know what I mean? Like, even though that's not the call I made, we prepared yeah. him. He knew it was coming. He went and made a play. Yeah. And yeah. I think you're going to see more of that on defense. And that's kind of where the issue was last year is guys would get kind of caught between the old system and what Mar- Marcus Lee wanted, Marcus Freeman wanted, so they wouldn't go make a play. And next thing you know, there's this hole opening up. Good point. Because he's expecting you to, to, hey, you see it, go go do it. Yeah. But they're like, but wait a minute, I'm supposed to have B-gap on this play. Right. And so that's why I think the linebacker production took a huge step back last year because Marcus Freeman's defense requires you to kind of have a bit of a – go sniff that sucker out. Yeah. You know, and where Clark Lee's defense was do this. And uh, I think that's why I think linebacker as a whole, but especially Maris Lewifile, is going to really benefit from the culture change. Because it's not just about the scheme change, Sean. You also have to know that, okay – this is what they want. They want me to be a playmaker and they're going to believe in me and give me the freedom to do that. And I think that's a, that's going to be an important piece of that as well. So that's, that's my other one. That's my, that's my main one on defense for me is, is Maris. I think that's a big reason why Maris is going to have a monster year as long as he can stay healthy. I'm not sure how you feel about that one. My question, I agree wholeheartedly with you. My question, I was thinking Jason at a meal. Here's why. I think Jason from I think Jason was asked to do a lot of things. Or I don't think Jason was always put in the best position. Yeah. To do what he does best. Attack. Attack. Right. And I think the culture change comes from not playing favoritism, understanding what's best in the rotations and what needs to happen. And also the opening up of the roster. This is what I mean by Mm -hmm. this. I think it was another previous show. I don't know if it was you and I or you and Ryan or Vince. But you talked about when Clarence Lewis struggled. First of all, Clarence Lewis was put in there before Mm -hmm. he was ready due to the lack of recruiting Mm -hmm. the previous, previous years. He should have been able to develop. He was put in there early, had some success, but just like anybody else, you're going to face adversity. And when you face it, if you're not equipped how to with how to deal with it and overcome it, you're going to struggle. And we saw that with Clarence Lewis last year. Mm-hmm. For me, the overall 
change in culture and 1A, 1B that Marcus Freeman has been talking about, I think it's going to make a guy like Jason Adam Neola better. I won't even go to the X's and O's and what Al Golden is going to do and how he might unleash him on the defensive line. I just want to talk about the field. Him, you were there. Uh, well, you weren't able to be there. Myself and Ryan and Vince were there. Just rub it in, Sean. Rub I'm it in. Sorry. I'm sorry, bro. But the most vocal person in the entire practice facility was Jason Adam Yola. Wasn't he even was, allowed to practice. And he was on the sideline. Right. He was on the sideline in sweatpants. That's the culture part that's a change. Absolutely. And that is the person that everyone is going to look to. Right. When you talked about it's got to be your quarterback, coach, the quarterback, and that guy on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if he's going to be – I think between him, Brandon Joseph, and Maris, they're pretty good with, like, leadership. And Isaiah Foskey will probably – I think it's going to be Jason guys. and Justin more than anybody else because they're the, they're the most willing to get in somebody's face. I agree. I agree. But they're now they now this and this is where the culture part comes in for me. And this is where I agree with you. I think Jason's going to be a more productive player because he's pissed off that he's getting disrespected, right? That and and I think That's the defensive point. system is allowing him to attack more. Yeah. yeah. So I think the production is going to be more of a scheme related. I think his leadership is going to improve because of the the cultural change in that. Yeah. We we prom- hey look this is your team fellas mm-hmm. right at the end of the day this is your team yeah you're the one that polices the locker room you're the one that polices the dorms you're the one that polices who's doing what on Thursday night and Friday night before a game that's on you and you have to have guys that are willing to get in your face as a player and say Mm-mm, nope we got some things we're trying to do here and you're keeping us from doing that. Yeah, and Jason and Justin especially, and there were times where I believe guys like that had it tamped down a little bit. Hey, that's my job. I'm the coach. You can't have that. You now, do you want players over talking over coaches? No, but I doubt that's what was happening in that situation, right? Where he's not coaching a kid up and talking over Al Washington or contradicting Al Washington. It's right. this is my role. And I'm going to do it. Coach is over here talking to this guy. So I'm going to grab this guy and tell right. him what needs to be told, what needs to be said. And I think those are the things that, that are, that are very important that I don't know if there was that ability. It's like some guys is where they're going to be like Quentin Nelson was going to be that way, whether you want him to or not, but he was also playing within a, a smaller subculture that was much healthier. Cause that's things we've had some subcultures that have been healthy at Notre Dame over the years I agree. because of the position coaches. Yeah. And that's why I think the defense has been better on the field is because, you know, with Mike Elko first and then Clark Lee to a degree, I think Mike Elko is better at establishing that culture and yeah. Clark Lee just kind of maintained it and is, but that we've seen some subcultures within it, but big picture, there's now a, not only a freedom, but an expectation for leaders to step up and do what you need to do. And, and, Again, your number one job is to go play and execute, but then your number two job at, with certain players is to, if it's it's your personality, hey, I can't be out on the field all for you. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, somebody's got to step up on third and five, and and get in people's face or make the right check or make the right call or or have the freedom to you know say, hey, look, I know this isn't what you told us to do, but this yeah. is what I saw, yeah. and I had the guts to do it. 
Yeah. Whereas like now that's, uh, that goes back to the quarterback thing. Like, you know, I'm not going to make that check. I'm going to do exactly the checks you told me to do, you know, because a, a quarterback that really knows the offense and is in a, the right kind of culture, Sean is going to say, I'll, t- I'll get, I'm going to use a personal example because I'm going to get pissed off. But basically, you know, where, hey, this was the checks you told me to make. But right. based on the film study we watched, I thought we had this. Yeah. And and like, OK, I get it. Here's what I'd rather you do. I, you know, or you can say F that get, you know, get in the back. Right. Or you don't want to hear it or whatever the case may be. I mean, you just you just see just sort of like every time something didn't go right on offense, you just saw this insanity of, uh, you know, this. It just, oh, just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. So I think those are the positions I look at and say, this is where the culture is really going to have an impact. And to bring it full circle, when I use Clarence Lewis, I think he'll be better because now the guys behind him can, are ready to go. Right. And now there's added depth. And it's more about us collectively. And I right. think along the defensive line, I think now they can just unleash Jason. Go right. get it. Go be you. Be the disruptor. Mm-hmm. Get to the quarterback. Get tackles for loss. Get in that backfield. Because if you have to come off the field, you're. we got you. Mm-hmm. We got a guy behind you. are good. Collectively, we're going to get this done. I think yeah. all of that, the change in culture. And I would be interested. Is something else I saw along the defensive line? Because Al Washington is just as beloved, it seems like, as, as Mike Elston was. Mm-hmm. By his defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Similar relationship. They love him. But I remember Al Golden is so hands-on. And Marcus Freeman has talked about this, like listening to him teach. Teach. And the, That's and the, the key. And the way he delivers things to see the light bulb go off. The light bulbs go off in his players. We know Notre Dame has smart football players. But you don't want them to play be so smart that they play slow. Right. If, if I hope I explained that right. No. Because I think that's what you were saying about Maris. You like can't think too much. Yeah. You gotta just you, you gotta have the freedom to go play, yeah, but also the structure to know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But then not get so much put into your head yep. that you freeze. It's a it's a bouncing. I think that's where his NFL background is key, because he's been dealing with yes. professionals. Yes. For several years now. Yes. And you don't treat professionals that way anymore. Because like no. nowadays, like your position coach in the NFL, you're literally the lowest the, the lowest paid dude in the room. Yeah. And you're way more expendable than your star linebacker yeah. or your second round draft pick or whatever. <laughs> way more expendable, your yeah. position coach. But you still want to be successful and you want to teach and you want to be good at what you do. So you treat them like men. And you can treat men harshly and with accountability. And like respect and harshness don't aren't polar opposites. No, if they're coming from and that's that that's just in Harry Heastan and Brian McGorder, right? Yeah, yeah. harsh, harsh, a hole, guys beloved. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's that, and it's but I think that's where that that it because he's he's I mean because I get the videos you guys sent, and you can just hear him. It's just it's teaching, it's vocal, it's it's set. There's a high standard, but it's I'm teaching, I'm teaching, I'm teaching, I'm teaching. Marcus Freeman hired a bunch of good teachers. Yes. Not just not just coaches, but a good teachers. Yes. And I think that's where the culture part is really, really important. Is like because I'm not here to intimidate you and scare you into doing the right thing. Yes. I'm here to teach you. And that's what Harry, that's what people often don't get about Harry Heastan. They hear about the yelling and the cussing, and they don't realize that all of it is involved with teaching. 
Yes. Yes. That's why the players love them and why they play well. And the other yellers don't necessarily get that. And they don't get the same respect. And the other part of it too, can I say the last part of it too? Yeah. Because I think we can talk about specific players, but here's why I think at the end of the day, the change in culture and the different type of head coach is going to matter because you cannot be the way the previous head coach was if you're not around because the players mm-hmm. are not going to believe that you have their back when when it's not the season you're not around they don't see you you're not invested you're not involved in their lives mm-hmm. you know those things just mm-hmm. don't happen mm-hmm. and the fact that Marcus Freeman was a coordinator and position coach before he became head coach yes and the players have been to his house they've met his children he has them around at practice all the time like we're doing post spring practice uh, you know, film interviews and I'm on zoom and I'm like, I'm hearing these children running around. I'm like whose kids are these? It's Freeman's. It's the other coaches because it's like that. He's talked about one of the best things I heard him say, why do you have your kids at practice? Cause I want these, these kids on the team to see me as a father yes. also. Yes. Not just a head coach. I want yes. them to see me as a husband also. And and then I'm gonna hold you to hey you know what you know why I'm why you're getting suspended for how you treated that girl and the whatever it's because you've seen how we demand that you treat women around here mm-hmm. we've set that standard look how I interact with Katie look the 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 SID look how I, we interact with the trainers look how we interact with our wives and our children that's what we're expecting from you yes that's the level of respect respect and so that's the thing that they it was all football before there was mm-hmm. not an open door policy for the period. and i'm not trying to take shots up this is just reality we're talking this about the culture. truth we're talking about the culture right and when you don't think i can go to this guy or i or i or he's he's got my back you will take a butt chewing from any as as a young male athlete i had a father in my life yeah but i still took butt chewings from coaches because when i was away from my dad they were sort of not the father figures per se, but they were the people that were invested in helping me develop as a man. And you can help develop me as a man as a football player as well, if you believe in them, right? So you'll take that butt chewing if you know what's behind it is, is I I think you can be great. <laughs> I think you can be successful. Yes. I'm going to hold you to standard, but you know what? When we get away from the football field, I'm going to also love you as a young man. Right. And that's the that's what's changed. So that's that's where Chancey Stuckey can bring just as much of an impact as his what he's how he's teaching stance, start, stem, top ends, ball skills, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's that he also like man, coaches coach praise over me. He's encouraging me. He's getting on my butt about my academics. He's getting on my case about this, but it's because he wants me to be successful, right? And it's not yeah. just about make sure you're eligible. It's about Make sure you're doing the best that you can and being the best man you can be. That's the culture change too, Sean, but you can't be, do that if you're not there all the time. And that's that's the thing. You got to be there. And so far, again, it's much easier to do in your first year as a coach, right? The key is going to be, can Coach Freeman be that guy in three, four, five, six years when the pull to go speak here and speak there and do this and do that becomes even greater? That's where it becomes a challenge is after about year four and five, when you've had some success, like with Coach Holtz, it because you know the people dr- pulling for your attention is even greater. Yeah, 
but you know, right now that's one of the things that's really enhanced the culture too. And let me just point out, well said, I don't need to add anything to it, but it becomes infectious. Yeah. You know how infectious it becomes. We know the guys that were scheduled to be visitors this weekend, but why is Brandon, Brandon Davis Swain in South Bend this weekend? Right. right. Why is CJ Carr on campus? How does CJ Carr end up there this weekend? It's like five or six players that weren't even scheduled to be. Why is Drake Bowen leaving immediately after his semifinal game this afternoon to drive from Kokomo to South Bend just to make it in time for dinner? Mm-hmm. It's the culture. It's what Marcus Freeman has brought yeah. to this program. And the, the, the reaping that they're doing from what they've sown and establishing this new culture, you can see it right now. And you can see and project in 2024, you can see and project what 25 is going to be like. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing time. We talked about this jokingly, right? This is my literally. I started in January. I couldn't have picked a better time. <laughs> you and Ryan lucked out big time to jump like on you board. Guys did. You did the best time to jump on yeah. board. And yo, it's an amazing time to be a fan. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.